0: No? No one else got that? Well, I'm going to get another bad iTunes review,
1: so... um. Uh, No, no, you definitely will. (laughs) You know, at this point, Carson, I'll take any iTunes (laughs) review. Hello everybody and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 485 with a review of the post. I am Christopher Schneezy.
2: I'm Carson Patrick and I'm Stephen Miller.
1: And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week we're here. We got we got one more week until we release our uh, our favorite films of 2017. Uh, We're going to bring you this review of The Post. Uh, We're back to our regular schedule, I guess, now. Um, So bringing it back to questions at the top of the episode, since we have these episodes coming out this week, have you guys finalized your top ten films um, for the year, for last year? Stephen Miller.
2: So I I certainly haven't. The main reason (laughs) we are waiting a week to release our top ten list is because I have been gone for the last two and a half or three weeks, which means I missed... At least like four movies that I really want to catch before claiming to make a list. Uh, so no, I've I've written my short list right now. Which when I last told Chris it was eighteen, now it's up to twenty four movies. So <laughs> I don't think I need to see more things, but I I feel like I I want to. So no, I'm nowhere near finalizing my list.
1: Carson Patrick?
0: Uh, yeah, I I had yeah I had a list in like October. So I've been, <laughs> just, just been waiting on you guys. Just Justice League ten times. Justice Blade (laughs) Runner was like ten through six.
2: It's it's okay because mine Uh, is The Lovers ten times, just annoying.
1: But so so, did you actually have a list? Like, so did you pre-slot items that hadn't come out yet, or you just you were solid in October with everything that had come out?
0: I had a solid list. Um, There were a couple where I was like, "Well, there's a couple that I can um, move if need be," uh, which I did because I did see two movies later on that um i added in after october so between october and the end of the year so um cool yeah I think it was, I it was basically
2: done though
1: <laughs> <laughs> steven probably knows which one of them are uh yeah, yeah. Uh, um yeah for me i uh, i have my short list which is 13 so i don't have a lot of ways to go to get down to 10 uh but i definitely haven't locked in that order completely but uh got a week to do that still have another film to see uh for contention and maybe a few others uh that i can catch that i missed during the year um but i I think my list is looking pretty solid so far
0: sweet it's just gonna be boss baby for
1: (laughs) (laughs) i am glad i watched it though because i mean damn son if i'm I'm not gonna have Boss Uh, Baby, that's
2: (laughs) definitely number 13 (laughs) my number one pick is the
0: trailer for den of thieves i think (laughs) No, I think I think Den of Thieves trailer is down to two after the Sicario two trailer came out. I think that's true. That, I think that well, one's what, number one now.
2: <laughs> what makes me laugh about the Sicario two trailer is how different tonally it feels from Sicario one. Like Sicario one was all Emily Blunt and the horror and everything, and then there are some twists that happen at the end. This is just looks like a like action flick about shooting up Dude, it's, it's, cartel people.
0: It's literally all trailer lines. Like, I'm not convinced it's a real movie yet. <laughs> like, it's literally just like...
1: I want to start a war. With who? Every, a everyone. War on everyone. <laughs>
0: everyone. Adios. Adios. And, like, Benicio La Torre shoots a guy... Like in a very unnecessarily
1: unnecessary no, no, way, but it's pretty the, badass. That's the best way. It's As a be- guy <laughs> who spent about an hour in a Dave and Buster's recently, that's the only way to kill bad guys who really deserve to die. Well, that's
0: what happens when you turn them loose, dude. That's it. He just shoots people <laughs> that way. <laughs> also, also
1: for the record, I did not shoot anybody in a Dave and Buster's. No, no, I played. That way had Games. had it coming. <laughs> I played arcade games <laughs> where I was shooting things. Time Crisis. No actual murdering took place. Yeah,
0: dude. I'm totally right. Ra- I think um, I also joked and said that Sicario 2 was the real Infinity War because it was <laughs> Thanos and the collector were just turning
1: loose. I really wish that Thanos would be chewing gum the whole movie.
0: Oh, that would be great. He shows up in his like uh, cargo shorts and his Crocs and he's like, I'm here, I'm here to torture you. He's just chewing gum. In a rattle some cages.
2: <laughs> oh, but before we get into the post, by the way, so I listened to the Omnibus episode yesterday, and I just wanted to point out, so Chris was talking about the economy of scale and downsizing <laughs> and how it, it shouldn't make sense because things like uh, laptops can't so be shrunk. I
1: already, I already had that apology in my head. It's only organic matter that can be shrunken. Well,
2: also, have you heard of real estate? Like, the, the cost <laughs> of land is so much bigger than the cost of all the laptops you're ever going to buy. Come on, yeah, bro. Yeah, but the idea of, like...
1: <laughs> the The real estate the real estate problem is solved by shrinking everybody. yeah I,
2: you were you were saying, like, how is it so cheap to downsize because think goods like laptops are still gonna be crazy expensive and they're going to be even more expensive because you have to shrink them. Yeah, yeah, and that only food would help. But I think the number one cost in like everyone's life is a place to live, and that's what this solves already. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: but I mean, like there's there's things that are part of your normal day to day life that you spend money on that you can't get cheaper yes you can buy a model house you can live in a barbie house in real life when you're that small mm-hmm. but like there are other things that you would need
2: right life's only fantastic when you're plastic
1: yeah
0: definitely <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyways get, <laughs> getting should we get into our review of the post guys mm. all right so we're going to take a listen to the trailer for the post then we're going to come back and give you a review
2: So, can I ask you a hypothetical question?
0: Oh dear, I don't
1: like hypothetical questions. Well, I don't think you're gonna like the real one either. Do you have the papers? Not yet. This is a devastating security breach that was leaked out of the Pentagon. The most highly classified documents of the war.
2: The Times has 7,000 pages detailing how the White House has been lying about the Vietnam War for 30 years. The way they lied,
1: those days have to be over. Okay, people are concerned about having a woman in charge of the paper that she doesn't have the resolve to make the tough choices. Thank you, Arthur, for your frankness.
2: Let's do our jobs. Find those pages we are talking about
1: exposing years of government secrets. Is that legal? What is it you think we do here for a living, kid? Ben, I might have something.
2: It must be precious cargo.
0: It's just
1: government secrets.
0: The New York Times was barred from publishing any more classified documents dealing with the Vietnam
1: War. If you publish, we'll be at the Supreme Court next week. Meaning... Well, we could all go to prison. To make this decision, to risk her fortune and the company that's been her entire life, well, I think that's brave.
0: If the government wins, the Washington Post will cease to exist. If we don't hold them accountable, who will? We can't hold them accountable if we don't have a newspaper.
1: Nixon will muster the full power of the presidency, and if there's a way to destroy you, by God, he'll find it.
0: I'm asking your advice, Bob, not your permission.
1: But you can't do this. The legacy of the company is at stake. What will happen if we don't publish? We will lose. The country
2: will lose. What are you going to do,
1: Mrs. Graham? all right that was the trailer for the post it is the story of uh the washington post uh publishing some of the pentagon papers and uh yeah steven Spielberg's latest flick swinging hard for oscars (laughs) steven miller what did you think of the post
2: i i thought it was it was Steven Spielberg's Spotlight, which is, like, not – I'm sure I'm not the only one making that comparison, but it is everything good and everything bad about saying that. Like, like here's the th- – what I loved about Spotlight was it was a procedural that was all about putting your head down, doing your job not being overly flashy, not being overly simplistic, just do good work and, like, trust that the truth will come out. And Spielberg is definitely not Tom McCarthy. He is, like, all about unsubtle, melodramatic, flashy everything. The The positives for that is I think this felt very, quote, filmic. Like, Carson has talked before about how, like, there are some movies where you watch where you're like, oh, I'm watching, a like, an actual movie now. And I think for all of Spielberg's flaws he does know how to make a thing feel like a classic movie like it, it just feels like made for the big screen experience and i i i got that joy of having john williams soundtrack and a spielberg visual feel in this movie like i i felt happy about that um i think the story it tells is fairly interesting i just think it's so cheesy and simplistic and melodramatic in the way that it handles this story like Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep are, like, totally just chewing scenery as, like, heroes who on paper aren't really heroes necessarily. Like, I don't think the story lends itself to this kind of, like, very simple, the good man standing against all bad and the good man doing doing what he needs to do to be right. Like, I just feel like the actual story is very muddled and... Gray, and this treats it all with a very very like life and death melodrama that doesn't it it didn't earn i like I didn't feel like the emotions in this movie are earned. I think that the biggest example of that for me was toward the end of the movie, there's a moment where Meryl Streep's character is leaving the Supreme Court. And she walks through just a line of women who are like gazing at her fondly, as if she has just stood for everything that women <laughs> One will of ever them actually
1: need. Does like the fist in the air fight the power? Yeah,
2: <laughs> and it's like no, th- there's no way everyone was watching like the millionaire owner of the Washington Post as like a women's lib <laughs> fighter, and like it, it just. There was some urge to moralize that this movie had that I thought really clouded what would have been a very interesting story. And, like, I, I still – I think the period is interesting. I like Watergate-era Nixon stuff. I thought, like, the movie did a good job of explaining what was going on and making you be invested in it. But it – the the simplisticness of it just kind of frustrated me. So – it also didn't help that literally everyone in this movie is a famous actor. Like, <laughs> like they got they got Mr. Show back together for this movie, like among many other things. It's just like, oh yeah, David Cross, Bob Odenkirk. Oh, turn to your right. It, it, it just, I, it just felt like actors playing dress up to me. Like everyone vying for a role in a Spielberg movie. So yeah. I don't know. I I like what this movie was trying to do. I like the story it told. I enjoyed the act of watching it, but it just like. It was just very cheesy and heavy-handed too, and I couldn't I couldn't really get past that. Not after Spotlight was so good at being not heavy-handed or cheesy.
1: Yeah. Carson Patrick. Uh,
0: uh yeah, I didn't. I I uh, I didn't like this movie. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's just come as any surprise because it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty uh, it's a pretty formulaic drama like i i uh i don't know it's it's a bummer because i i don't like uh i don't like uh i mean i don't like talking about it that way because you know i still i still get a little excited every time we get a new uh spielberg movie um but uh it's a i don't know like this is a far cry from his earlier stuff um and uh yeah, like, I, I don't know. I think it just, you know, Steve was talking about, like, yeah, it, it's good to watch, like, some of these historical dramas that treat it more as a movie and less as, like, uh, realism. Like, I mean, Darkest Hour is a great example of that. Um, but I think Darkest Hour had a lot of energy and um, one really great central performance. Um, and, uh, yeah, this, it was, like, it, it just felt like they were ticking off all the boxes to... uh you know, get the awards and to get the, uh, I don't know, just like a lot of the same stuff you've always seen before, right, in movies like this. Like, I don't think this movie shows us anything we haven't seen in other movies. Like, obviously, Steven mentioned Spotlight, but, like, the, the definitive movie... Of this genre is obviously all the president's men, which is technically the sequel to this movie. Um, The movie even ends with uh, there's been a break in at at that at the Watergate. I was like Watergate,
2: oh, (laughs) just in case you didn't get it, right? Yeah, I
1: think somebody in my theater actually went like,
0: (gasps) just like Shutter Island. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I can't wait for the Ben Bradley cinematic universe. But yeah, obviously, All the President's Men is, like, the best uh, dramatic example of this type of movie. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the best comedic example of this type of movie is Ron Howard's The Paper, uh, which also had Michael Keaton in it, um, and I think is a lot more thrilling and entertaining uh, than this movie. And it's the same type of thing where, you know, like, it has, like, an all-star cast, um, which can be fun, you know, most times. And in other times like this, it's kind of distracting. Like, I didn't really... um, think it was distracting that much here but um, I mean I get what you're what you're saying about that I mean it's just kind of yeah it can be that way um, but I mean I think that the the main thing was just that the the movie felt like we'd seen it before um, and also uh, it felt like very self-aware and like satisfied with itself which I don't like when movies do that. Uh, there was some other movie recently that we had talked about and I can't, I tried to remember what it was. I can't, but it was like that, you know, it totally has that feeling of, of being written in present day and knowing the outcome of the events. Um, And the characters kind of make like have lines or gestures where they're almost turning to the camera and they're like, do you get it? Do you see the parallels? And you're (laughs) like, yes, I get it. Um, And I think like, it's just, I I don't know. I don't like when they like really hammer it home like that because we all know that like history repeats itself and it's pretty obvious we can see like the parallels and stuff. And I think if they had just let it play, it would have been a lot better. Like it, it didn't need that extra like, Oh, Hey, like this is this. It's like, it was very obviously that. So.
1: Well, I, I also didn't like this film, um, was not a fan of the post. And I think for, for a little bit different reasons, I mean, I, If I can schnaze, as I always do, if I can lose long-time listeners, um, the narrative in this film is terrible. Uh, This is is like if you made a movie of the second guy who stood up and yelled, I am Spartacus. This is not (laughs) about the people who started the war and won it. This is about the people who sort of jumped on that bandwagon and, and were along for the ride and... Maybe helped other people decide to be along for the ride, but that 's not what it is. Um, if I can compare this to the other films, one which we have celebrated in the past and one which we thought was just all right, if you look at Spotlight and the Snowden film, like both of those films are about journalists uncovering something the process for that for which that information came forward, and them reporting it and This film is about people who just asked the guy who gave somebody else information if they could also have the information and then published it. That's like no journalism took place. Like nobody went out, hunted down these sources, found information, dug this up, interviewed enough people to put together a story. It was like somebody wrote a full fucking report (laughs) and then they got it from the people who had already published it. And that's not... That that's not an interesting narrative, and they they do their damnedest to try to present it in an interesting way, but when when the like, uh, Meryl Streep's, like decision to publish the papers is literally like a eh, yolo. Like, she, she she, might as well have just said, YOLO, publish, right? It, it's a thing that happens late at night, minutes before the deadline. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, eh, you know like Yopo. Th- th- this entire <laughs> film up until now has been telling YOLO. me this is probably a bad idea. But, I mean, the story calls for it, so let's just publish it. Like, there's nothing to celebrate there. She didn't do it for grounded reasons. She's, like, this is not... A woman who fought a bunch of men to do something that she really believed in this is somebody who questioned every step of the way whether or not she was going to be looked down upon for making a decision that would jeopardize her company and then in the end just said like you know what fuck it and it's a weird way to frame this narrative and it's weird that this isn't a movie about the new york times Mm -hmm. like i i don't understand at all why we're even bothering to follow. Like, like I didn't know enough about where people got the actual, like, Pentagon Papers. Like, I didn't know enough about the background of where this information came from. I don't know if it happened exactly the way it did in the film, but there's nothing interesting about the way this gets delivered to the Washington Post and how they decided to publish it. Like, in fact, it it is heavily implied that they were worried that their paper had become like, valueless in that nobody wanted to read it. And the only reason they really published was not to stand up against a government who was oppressing them, but because it could get them readership. It is the it, This is the, like, journalistic integrity uh, version of Nightcrawler. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, this is the if-it-bleeds-it-leads type of thing. And I don't understand how we're supposed to be like, yes, screw the government who tries to oppress journalists, let's celebrate journalists. This film does not celebrate journalists. And I don't know why it's being framed in that way and i think that like the longer like i walked out of the theater not being very happy with it and the longer it's been since i saw this movie which was like last thursday i think the the less it's set set well with me and i don't i just don't know what to do with the film like i if this wins anything at the oscars <laughs> like let, let me take that back the performances are great Everybody is acting whatever... See,
2: I don't think Tom Hanks is great in this. Eh, I think Tom Hanks is, like, in another movie doing something else that is not fitting to whatever his character calls for here.
1: I... I I can't... I can't hate Tom Hanks. (laughs) He's just, like...
2: For the editor, who he's basically, like, I want to publish it. Like, the way he plays it is, like, what are you going to do? It's, like, none of you are being moral heroes right now. Why are you playing it like you're being the moral standing man?
0: Right? Well, I mean, it is the like very cliche, like obvious awards baity type of movie, mm-hmm. and I think that like yeah, like if it if it were to win, like all the top awards, it would just be like pretty obvious.
1: I mean, but, but like even even in a world where it will get the benefit of being made in a time where our president is literally calling journalists fake news and trying to stop them from reporting things that are true even in that world this doesn't deserve the bump because this isn't about that story yeah it's just some people who bandwagon their way to being important and i don't i i just don't like this narrative i mean
2: i well, so i think that oh. so the, the one argument for focusing on wapo and not the new york times is the new york times published and then when there was a federal injunction to stop they stopped whereas yeah. washington post chose to
0: publish they went through despite
2: the federal injunction the, but the, the injunction problem is in the, the narrative the, of the film at least and probably in real life over the course of like 24 hours it's all resolved and the risk was not that risky and what they did every other paper had access to also. So the reasons they did it were more of those Nightcrawler ones. And that's, the, that's the, what bothered me is their their reasoning was like not the people need to know. Their reasoning was we want to be the first to publish and we got this blessing because the New York Times couldn't publish it. Yeah
1: yeah. yeah. But it's like the, the, the injunction wasn't even against them. Their only conflict relates to who the source is and how that source relates to the previous thing. Mm-hmm. But I guess for me, what what annoys me the most about telling this narrative is like if you if you look at the the IMDb description of this film, it doesn't even mention the Washington Post. It's this is a this is a narrative simply about Meryl Streep's character, and it's supposed to be like, hey, wasn't she amazing in what she did? Hmm. And the film does zero to support her as accomplishing anything really. Like, ultimately, it was like she had the lever, and nobody else could push it because it was her lever, and then she pushed it. Like, that's that's all she did. Like, th- there's never a scene where she is arguing against the other people. She just puts her foot down at the very, very end.
2: So I think what there are two things she does accomplish, and I mostly agree with you. Like, I don't think this is the grand moral freedom of the press versus repressive government story that it tries to be. Uh, but she does accomplish, for one, she has a safe option, and she doesn't take it. And that is a thing you're supposed to praise is like you could have kept it boring and safe and waited and just followed behind. And instead you took this risky move that could have landed you in jail. Um, And the the second thing she does is takes hold of the paper that up till then had just been her husband's and her father's and like chooses to do things of her own accord while ignoring the advice of people around her. So I, I think there's a story there. It's just not the grand morality story that the movie wants it to be.
1: But even like in some of the opening scenes where she's too timid to talk at her own board meeting, she is still making decisions, writing them on paper and showing them to what's his name from every other film this year. Steven's favorite,
0: Tracy Letts.
1: Oh, yeah. And like she's showing him and he's responding in an as authoritative way as he can. Right. Mm-hmm. She is still making those decisions. She is still running the company. But in the boardroom setting where she's intimidated by like a bunch of like old men. She relies on him. But she's still she's still showing that, like, the business decision that she's had. Like, she's coming up with those plans. We never see her as, like, suddenly taking a stance. She just, like, at the end, it's like, hey, well, she owns it. So, ultimately, the buck, you know, falls with her or whatever. So, so,
2: here's one thing I did like about what the movie was doing. Is I think it paints an interesting picture of the world pre- and post-Watergate. Where pre-Watergate the press was buddy-buddy with politicians, and it was, like, backroom smoking and hanging out on their yacht and going water skiing and everything. And afterwards, it was more of the antagonism of the press is serving the people, and they are, like, against the politicians in power. Yeah. And I thought this movie did a... It told that story very well, even if it was very, like, heavy-handedly woven in when probably it had no place in the the movie. Yeah. But that was the one part that made me think afterwards. Like, that was the part that I liked.
1: She, there, there's the one scene where she's talking with the senator and she's like, hey, just see, just so you know, we're like we're publishing tomorrow. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Like that scene is great. That's the first time that she there is a there's an emotional, personal weight to her character about what she is about to do to a longtime life friend of hers. Right. Mm-hmm. That is the only time in the film that we really see her feeling something about the decision that she's made like i just i wish there was one scene where she could have said i am willing to go to jail for publishing this that is like it is worth going to jail to get this out to the people like that all we need is that one scene where she says that but we don't even get that we just get "Eh, sure Mm -hmm. and that like i don't that's not that's not a like a stand up and applaud uh narrative to me
0: well, also, I was gonna say, um going back to what you said about how like this narrative didn't seem to be that great um uh or or you didn't think it was that great of a like story to be told and aside from obviously the Washington Post they decided to go through with publishing, I think it was there's also a little bit of the of like the knowing the future part of that because um." You know the the filmmakers and everything know that the Washington Post became even more famous or prominent because of the Watergate stuff, like with Woodward and Bernstein and and stuff like that. Who actually, I guess you know, went out and did like the the more journalistic stuff that that you were saying, Chris. Uh, right, all the presidents men like is the movie that Chris yeah wanted, yeah that's basically, basically the movie yeah. that Chris is is wanting this to be. But um, um, and I think. I had I heard Steven Spielberg say that like you know these events is uh, it are are what you know kind of um, uh, catalyze or you know made uh, Ben Bradley and I guess K Gr- and K Graham you know it it allowed you know it made them uh, say yes to Woodward and Bernstein investigating the the Watergate stuff. So I guess like you you know this was like the inciting incident. Um right. In,
2: in that case though, I just wish this had framed it more around that instead of just having the
0: winking like Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Ben Bradley will be back. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he will return. He will return in
0: all the presidents <laughs> men. Yeah. Um yeah, and that's what was kind of kind of annoying that they, they did stuff like that. Um and honestly, like, you know, to to be serious, like I legitimately Well, one, it's one of those movies, one of the true life movies where, you know, you watch it and you just kind of think afterwards, like I would just rather see a documentary about the same subject Mm -hmm. because it is interesting subject material. It's just like, you know, they have to condense it all, like all the stuff in the beginning with Matthew Reese's character, like he could have had his own movie because there's like a lot of stuff there, Um, but he kind of really doesn't have much of a part or much screen time um and and really the the movie that i would have loved to have seen is 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 about the the actual like printing press, because, like... <laughs> like that, that was, like, the that, most exciting part of the, the movie. That was the best part of yeah, this movie. Be, yeah. Because, like, uh, like when Steven, when we talked about <laughs> Only the Brave, and he was just like, why can't they fight the fire? Like, I had the same reaction to this, where I was just like, oh, yeah, like, they just print the paper, like, whatever. Like, and then, like, showing the guys, like, actually making the molds and, and putting in, like, the individual letters, I was like, this is just so... It's, I still have questions. How do the pictures fit in there? I don't know. Like, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, I want to see that movie. I want to see that documentary Wait, or that,
1: whatever. That that was the crazy thing. Like, I, I knew there was, like, a series of little plates that were put together to make all the sentences and stuff like that. I didn't realize they literally cast every single yeah. paragraph as its own stamp every single time and then just melt that shit down to cast the next to paragraph they're going to make. Like, like every— that, that, It blew my mind. Yeah, like, every single fucking day—
0: I was like I mean it's like it's just not so- Also
1: you know all those guys are dead now, right
0: like, Yeah but it's
1: breathing in the fumes Oh from man
2: but like they sm- died for America if they don't the American people lose the American people <laughs>
0: lose <laughs> but, but I mean that's just I guess it's just something you don't really think about you're just like Quite oh yeah guys. you know print the press you know print, you know print the paper right? like I don't know it's yeah. just like that was just like endlessly fascinating to me that like they had they had there was so much effort that went into this and they were on such a time crunch; it must have been so stressful. Like it was, that was really, truly the the coolest part of it. Like I, I, I wish there was like a whole uh, movie about that, and a whole movie about um, Jesse Plemons and Zach Woods' characters. I think uh, they deserve their <laughs> Just own. Just being on a road trip, like a planes, trains, and automobiles. They deserve. Movie. Yeah. They, I,
1: I think I. <laughs> they deserve a buddy comedy. <laughs> I, I, I I giggled out loud. <laughs> <laughs> when they both showed up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Another scene I did like, even though, again, I think it was being a little cliched movie scene, was watching everyone with the papers from the Pentagon papers uh, scattered on the floor, trying to match just the pages together so they yeah, could string yeah. it into a place. I thought that captured a little bit of the what you want from these kind of newsmen doing their jobs films, right. which is like... The daily grind, the problem of weaving everything together and properly sourcing and figuring out, like, to what degree are you confident in what you're publishing? There was just so little of that. And everything about this story would tell me they could have waited another day. Like, the only reason not to wait is because they don't want to get scooped by someone else. Yeah not yeah. because the american people can't wait another day to well they, hear they were also
1: they also wanted to beat the court decision that was going to happen because if they published after the court decision came in negatively towards the new york times right. then they would have actually been fucked
0: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah but so i don't know how much that time was compressed either um but yeah
0: also i feel like bob odenkirk's character was doing the most journalism journalismy stuff in the movie. I felt, I, I could have watched a whole movie with him, too. I know beforehand, Steve was kind of like, yeah, his, you know, him on the plane with the with the documents was kind of cheesy. Just the dumbest line in the movie. I mean, yeah, it was government secrets. Sure. It, it, I, it was I, super I cheesy, mean, I, I, but whatever. I mean, I thought his I thought he
1: I just saw him as Saul Goodman. Right. There. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, that was exactly what he would have said. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean I like I mean I like watching him in a role like that. I I see like I feel like you know some of the the smaller side characters I thought were a little more were more interesting than the than the main characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but there was now this is purely self-indulgent and I'm sure it'll get cut out but um <laughs> there were three my figure on the button There was there was there were three instances in this movie of prop usage that I found extremely entertaining and fascinating. Um, Sarah said there were four, but I don't remember the fourth one. Um, but in order of greatness, there was, um, I think the, I think this one is in the trailer. There's, the, there's a moment where Tom Hanks comes over to Meryl Streep's house and they rush into like the, the living room or something and they both sit down on the couch and for whatever reason, Meryl Streep just grabs a throw pillow and hugs it. <laughs> Um, and spends the rest of the scene just hugging this pillow, which I was like, okay, that's an interesting choice. Um, and then there's a... an increasing order of grace right? So <laughs> they're going to get better. So then there's another there's the other scene that we that we kind of mentioned where Meryl Streep goes over to the to the senator uh, played by Bruce Greenwood. She comes over to his house and she's like in a rush too, too, um, and uh, she's like holding her her car keys and the she spends the whole scene just like waving her hand around, gesticulating. And, like, there's this really, like, over-the-top, like, car key jingle that plays, like, every time she moves her hand. And, like, all I could think of was just those car keys, the whole scene. I don't think I heard anything she said. I was, like, so focused on the car keys.
1: And then... (laughs) That says something more about you than it does about Spielberg. Probably.
0: Um, And then, so the best one was, like, Tom Hanks over at Meryl Streep's house again. And, like, they show, like... Meryl Streep's granddaughter playing with, like, this, like, big rubber uh, ball, like a purple ball. It was, like, like, neon purple. And then, like, so they make it a point to show her playing, right? And then they move into the other room, and then there's just, like, a cut to, like, the door frame, and the ball just comes out of nowhere, and (laughs) it comes into the frame. Tom Hanks grabs it and then just, Just like, goes to town on it and just spends the rest of the scene, like cramming this ball in his hand and he's like ah oh, yeah we got it but i feel like the ball is a metaphor for what he's doing with his face this whole
2: movie which is just <laughs> scrunching it for no reason yeah so he's like
0: scrunching it and there's this like really loud like you know rubbery like skin on rubber uh sound effects and then and then eventually meryl Sheep just like are you gonna give that back to her and he's like oh yeah sorry sorry kid and he like throws it back and it was like so weird like I don't know, man. Um, and it was also weird because the movie is like very drab in color and like that ball was like so neon purple, like could conflicted with everything. I know everyone agrees with me, but. Um, I'm with you on the ball. Theme. The ball, the ball was definitely uh, an entertaining one. To, it's just the little things, man. you got to pick the little things I, to get through, man. That's all. What do I, you want? I, I hate
1: to pressure your bu- bubble, Carson, but I watched a VFX video for the posts earlier today. Oh, was that a and s- all of those props were CG. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, they got me.
1: I will say, I have to in, in addition to the printing press uh, scene and seeing how that works, my second favorite part of this film, which also says something about the film... Yeah, involves uh, a lemonade stand, mm-hmm. <laughs> and every scene related to that lemonade stand was the best.
2: I I will say I think the opening of this movie reminded me like this is Spielberg. He can shoot like a war movie if he wants to. I kind of want to see just the Vietnam War like version of this story instead. Oh,
0: we see. <laughs> I feel like that would be more interesting. That scene, that scene kind of made me disappointed too because it was like it was shot in that. St- that, like, docudrama war style. Um, And it it, it was, like, it was kind of, like, in Rush when there was, like, a lot of CG fire, like, from the crashes. (laughs) 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 And, like, I remember thinking, I was like, what's going on? Like, Ron Howard, you directed Backdraft with real fire. Um, And then in this, it was kind of like, Steven Spielberg, you created this whole look with Saving Private Ryan. Like, you started this trend, and now, like, he's come back to it. Hey man, different war, different look. Dude, no, it was the same though. It was like the same shooting style, and it was just. But it's been copied so many times that once he uses it again, it just feels like a copy of a copy. It just felt weird because he had already he basically like created that with the movie with Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. So it just it felt off to me. I mean that 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 can be a problem in
2: general with these people who like built new styles. Like, right? I think Scorsese. Uh, in Wolf of Wall Street, I felt similar to that, where like he was being very Scorsese, but by now being Scorsese is almost like a cliche thing that people do to spice up their movies. Yeah,
1: I've seen midgets being thrown at Velcro before. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah, I've I've seen a Martin McDonough movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I those those are like Scorsese trademarks that are in all of his movies. I mean, that like mm. the that war stuff isn't in like every Steven Spielberg movie. I would say, Just like, the ones with wars. I would say the more Spielberg, tra- every other one, the more Spielberg trademarks are like the you know the hardcore like push ins and like steady cam shots and stuff like that, mm. you know.
2: Yeah. And the heavy, heavy moralizing.
0: <laughs> yeah. I well, you know, like I, 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 like, I'm always still hoping that like we're gonna get Spielberg's like Mad Max Fury Road, like where he creates a movie where he kind of just shows everybody how it's done like that how George Miller did where like he's utilizing new technology but he's mostly relying on like practical effects and technology of the past like well, have you not seen ai artificial intelligence no i'm saying like now dude <laughs> like <laughs> I'm saying, like, now, of course Spielberg did that all day back in the day, but I'm saying, like, like if he had done Ready Player One in that style, like, how cool would that have been? I know Chris is going to disagree. Oh, wait, you guys I, aren't
1: excited about Ready Player One? I know One? Carson is going to shit the fuck all over Ready Player One. Well, it almost, looks
0: real bad. <laughs> I don't even
1: know if we should even really but
0: I mean, like, But, I mean, like, how, like, I think that would have been, like, really cool. It would have been, like, a different angle to go in the opposite direction. Since that movie is all or that book is all about 80s nostalgia, like it would be cool, like when he enters the Oasis, if it's all done like how they would have done the movie in the 80s. Like that would have been a really cool look. But um like all the but the you know, anyway. I'm sure Chris is like, they, but they wouldn't be able to do it with out today's technology, VR. I don't know. But uh <laughs> I'm just saying it could have been an angle like I would have liked to have seen to kick you know, to throw it back like that. That would have been, you know, cool. I'm not saying like you should do it that way because he could do whatever he wants. I'm just saying that would have been cool, like in a throwback sort of way since that movie is all about
1: the throwback. Yeah. Well, well, all I'm saying is that just like the court case in this film, this film need, or this episode needs a verdict. <laughs> so what do you say we get into it, guys? Sure. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it?
2: Uh, it's like, I don't want to be too uncharitable, because I think like even a not-great Spielberg movie is largely more entertaining than lots of other things. It's like a weak recommend with a caveat, maybe. I think it was a competently made film. I think all the actors except, in my opinion, Tom Hanks do, like, a fine job. I just think Tom Hanks is too distractingly Tom Hanks in this movie. Um, and I do think, like, you know, it It had the score, it had the feeling of a Spielberg film, and there was something pleasant there. I enjoyed watching this on a Sunday afternoon with a bunch of old people. I thought that was, <laughs> that was mostly pleasant. Um, but, yeah, it just doesn't amount to much, and it's trying so hard to be awards-baity, and I think it, like... It refuses to do the more interesting, A, nightcrawler type thing of digging into the, the bloodlust and all the other reasons that a newspaper might want to get the scoop on this. And B, it also just doesn't show the nitty-gritty the way that, you know, all the President's Men or Spotlight did of, like, calm, sturdy journalism. This is kind of the opposite. This is, you know, gut-based journalism that could have gone the other way. Like, there's no reason this should have been successful. They just got lucky. And I think that just doesn't make a compelling story. So it's fine. I I had a good, okay time watching it, leaving it. I didn't even know how exactly I felt. I was like still just processing it. So I I don't think hating it is the right response. It's just not, not great. And it shouldn't win anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Carson Patrick.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I pretty much agree with that. I would still, I'm still going to give it a, a pass. Um, But yeah, like it's there's there's worse movies out there for sure. Um, So I guess that's the caveat. And also Michael Stuhlbarg looks like Michael Showalter in this movie. Thank you. (laughs) I can see that.
2: (laughs) Has there been any movie up for awards consideration that he was not in
0: this year? I thought you were going to say, is there any period piece movie that doesn't have Michael Stuhlbarg in it? Because I feel like if you if you're making a period piece, you gotta call, you gotta call the stool. Yeah. You gotta come in. <laughs> like, we gotta get stool bargain. This.
1: this is a period piece, guys. Yep. Yeah. Well, for my verdict, I'm going to lie and say this is a must see, but then I'm going to secretly leak to the press my actual verdict, which is that is a pass of the caveat. Oh, uh, I see what you did there. Hmm. And with that, I think it's going to bring us to the end of this episode of the Spoiler Warning Podcast. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
2: Uh, you can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
1: Carson Patrick.
0: Uh, you can find me leaving an iTunes review because I'm tired of myself, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm with him, with, I'm with man. I'm over myself, so it's okay. I get All it. Right.
1: People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at spoiler where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash The warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the SpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. The music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to the post, so hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, As we said, next week we are going to be recording our favorite ten films each. Uh, Five-hour episode. (laughs) five-hour episode. Uh, We'll see how long it's going to be. Hopefully it won't be too long. But, yeah, we're going to be recording our end-of-year episode, recapping the year of film in 2017. So stay tuned to that. And then we'll be back to our normally scheduled program uh, in the weeks following that. So welcome to 2018, guys. Zit. And uh, everybody, we'll see you next time.